Was building on the lecture versus coming daily under pressure. Working on the plot and the scheme, the true start trademark is at the edge of your dreams. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to another Startup Fan podcast. As always, I'm joined by Graham, and this is probably going to be one of the one of the many few last podcast that we're going to do before we get to get back into the studio in london so as we can get back on camera you can see our beautiful faces again yeah. so how are you getting on graham yeah good 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 not too bad no it's going to be good getting back in the studio it, it feels like it's it's getting closer to the time of where we can realistically uh, and safely more importantly get back in the studio and get meeting people because as good as this podcast is and pe- people do like it it's it's not the same is it really the only thing i'm going to miss about the podcast is the people we can reach out to as we as we've said like we've we've had some people on the podcast that are based in in la over in america and it's not the same as when we need to get someone who's available to come into the studio so that is the only thing i'm going to miss but maybe we do some sort of zencast or video call with with those ones i don't know yeah i'm sure we'll look we'll figure something out we'll, we'll figure something out anyway but really excited hopefully we can get today's guests in the studio uh, when we can but obviously the way things are we, we got him on a podcast today we have jamie heaslip ex-irish international rugby star and now investor and coach we've wanted to get jamie on the show for a while so to chat about his investment in pointy when when that exit happened and we wanted to chat to him about it so i think let's get into the show yeah it's one one shot not a Jamie, thanks for for joining us on the podcast today. And anyone listening um, that doesn't know Jamie, Jamie used to be a professional rugby player who played for Leinster and also had 95 caps for Ireland. Um, I hope I've got that right, Jamie, with the 95. Um, You also invested early enough in in some pubs in, in Dublin. You also invested in a company called Love & Media. You were also one of the early investors in Pointy, which went on to sell for, if I'm correct, over 100 million. You're also... Um, employed and an investor with uh, Flender at the moment and you worked in Google and I suppose let's start with where you got into investing because at the time when you when if, if I'm correct on this when you first invested in in some of the pubs in Dublin um, you were still playing for Leinster you were still playing for Ireland and like what made you decide right okay I'm going to do something with my money uh, and I'm going to invest in, in, in some of the pubs here. Because I know you teamed up with some of your, your teammates that were on Leinster, uh, Dave Carney and, and Sean O'Brien. Um, and I, I don't know if there was one or two more that were involved in that as well. But I suppose, where did it all start? Uh, okay, yeah. So I'll, I'll unpack that. There's a couple of different threads there, I suppose. Um, uh, I hope I was right. Yeah, well, you were, you were, you were there, thereabouts, you know what I mean? Um, Am I right? Like, so, uh, you know, I, I suppose to clarify the question, I suppose the way I see it is uh, uh, how, how and why I got started um, and then maybe the progression of, of um, the types of businesses I invest, uh, invested in. So in terms of the how and the why, um, <clears throat> it's really quite simple. Uh, at about in 2009, um, a study came out in our out of our player association that the average career length um, in rugby at the time was six to seven years. And it's around the same still. And um, I was three years in and I just played, uh, we just won the Grand Slam for Ireland and I just played for the Lions in South Africa. And I was like, oh, this must be the peak of the career and everything's kind of, you know, you're on the way out now. And that was, so that was three years into my career or four years into my career. 
and uh so i was kind of like right i need to look about here um and and see where you know what are potentially what's the exit strategy essentially you know what i mean um just like any other investment but the but the downside of of rugby is that it's not a long-term investment um you know it, it's a career it's a real weird paradox where you it consumes so much in your life and you have to sacrifice so much for it and you're willing to do that because it's the dream goal that you had when you were eight years old you never really kind of you know if you're go through maslow's hierarchies and needs you're kind of at that self-actualization stage of, of it you know what i mean because it's ticking all the boxes it covers all your basic needs pays you really well you get recognition from your peers recognition from yourself um you know feel like you're providing value and joy for people's lives all sorts of things you know what i mean um and and, and you actually learn the power of doing something that you really truly love and are in and get into a state of flow and that's all the good things about it but the downside is is that you know you sacrifice so much in terms of trying to build a career outside of it but you know, people sometimes think that rugby players get paid a lot of money and they do get paid a lot compared to the average wage. However, it's 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 at a, a weird point where it's not enough to set you up for life. There is literally the top 1% that are potentially set up and don't have to work a normal job when they finish. Um, yeah. But even with that, there's there's still not a whole lot. It's still The game is still relatively young. It's only uh, professional since 96 um, 1996 so it's what that's uh 24 24 25 26 years um so it's still relatively young professionally and and i'm like for example i'm the first one of the first group of players to come through what is known as the academy system in ireland for example um and so you kind of you, you sacrifice a lot you can't build a career outside of it but then you finish up and you have to kind of reinvent yourself and restart again when your peers who went into the workforce have the same amount of time specializing in a particular area, for example. So it, it's a, it's a tough step change. So for those reasons is why I started looking around. Um, and the first ever investment I actually did was in a restaurant, but I, I, I gave it basically like a, what you essentially called like a convertible loan note. Um, so I, I loaned the money, uh, charged them for it, but had the option of flipping that into a percentage of the restaurant and um, realized very quickly that the restaurant world is, is tough. Um, I got out. I didn't lose anything, thank God, uh, which is quite rare in that industry. But it taught me a lot, a lot about um, really investing in teams, the people that you're investing in, and as well, the industry itself in terms of there's certain industries that you just got to be in. You know what I mean? If and if you're not going to be in it, you have to have a really good team around it that are going to be all over it. You mean you mean you need to be in it to understand it before you invest in it? Or? Um, well, like you obviously should you should understand anything that you're investing in. Um, I, I really it's one of those ones. It's it's almost like a craft. Do you know what I mean? That you've you've got to be really passionate about. I always think restaurants at a times are almost like a vocation. Like it's something that you just really really want to do. Um, and really, really passionate about, um, but they're bear? tough to run. You know what I mean? Was that bear? Pardon? Yeah, 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 yeah. But after that, I learned. You know, there there was a lot about the hospitality industry that I liked. Um, obviously, there was connection between professional players and food, and then there's there's always been a connection between professional players getting into the bar trade, for example. So that was always in the back of my mind. But following on from that, I actually invested then in my first. Two tech companies. Uh, one is a, a medical device, 
uh, a, a medical mechanical device um, uh, from a company called Providence uh, for a neck implant. And then one that's that's not really known, but the other one that's really known is Kitman Labs, um, which is, you know, it's it's raised a good bit of money into this point. Um, and they're um, a data analyticals, uh, analyticals software company that uh, helps teams basically manage their um their players their player pools their electronic medical data and helps them predict and prevent injury as well as uh, optimize towards performance um, and it's really really cool it's using ai machine learning and um, consuming all the different data points and kind of giving you actionable insight um, and that was my first the first company i did and to be i invested in it because a i knew the founder or two, i knew two of the three founders really really well i worked with them in leinster and then my background in college is medical mechanical engineering so i understood what they were doing so it was kind of a, a, a lesson learning from the first one and then obviously having some sort of uh background um for the second one and combining that and that's as i went on that's how i learned but it was all with the guise of trying to set up something that would create revenue or create an opportunity for me down the line and would work outside like work for me outside of um my rugby because as well you got to remember at the time you're coming out of of the recession as well so putting your money on deposit is going to do very little for you anyway so uh, that's kind of th- there was these multitude of reasons but i i made sure i put enough aside for what i my plan was for you know a home and savings and stuff like that and an emergency fund We've interviewed a lot of football players in the past, obviously being based in London, that have had to retire early due to injury or just came to the end of their career and, and, and obviously launched a company and a startup and wanted to get into tech. And they say that they see a lot of naivety still in the game. They look at they look at players coming up now and say, you know, they're out buying their AMG Mercs and they're really enjoying their time, but they're not thinking about the future. Are, are you close to any players coming up now? And, and, and what's the kind of sentiment? Are more people looking at their future than, than when you started out? Um. Uh, I think it's becoming more and more aware, but there's there's still uh, not a whole lot being done in terms of proactively um, coaching and mentoring these players in having a 360 perspective on it. And it, it's hard to do that because, you know, if you if you think about it, the overarching goal of winning games and performing demand um, are not geared towards really giving time to look at the bigger picture. Mm. Um, and when you're a young fella as well and you're coming through, you're not really looking at, like, I mean, you're kind of focused on that anyway. You know what I mean? You're not really looking at the big picture. Um, so it's it's difficult. It's not impossible, but a lot more can be done. Um, and you got to remember as well, like players now are, are becoming professional at a younger age. Mm. The academies are way, way more professional than uh, yeah. ever before. Um, so, I mean, they're kind of thrown into it from an earlier age, which I, I don't know if that's necessarily a great thing for, in terms of life experience and actually realizing what it's like in the real world. You know what I mean? Not all jobs are going to pay you six figures straight away. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. um, you know, they, it's they, easy uh, to get carried away with that as well. It, it, it is. But this, this is the trick of rugby where it it's a lot of money, relatively speaking. All right. But it's not enough to set you up for life. But if you're smart, you can do you can you can be good with it but like trying to trying to tell like in any walk of life trying to tell a a a young 20 year old to be smart is very very hard to do um yeah you know but it look it's 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 getting better um 
I think more can be done. Um, and I think uh, a lot of awareness has been raised on it in terms of people's putting their head above the, 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 the parapet and actually saying they're investing in things or they're starting something or, you know, guys putting themselves out there in, in terms of positioning themselves with companies, not just as the quick ambassador, here's my fee type of thing. Um, but, you know, actually I'm partnering up with these people. I have a little share in it because really, I mean, if that, if that's, if you want to create long-term value, you've got to own something. Um, and I think, a lot of guys are copying onto that. Now, the 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 trick is is not being not following the sheep, you know, and not being a sheep, um, you know, or not doing a thing that seems cool. Like everyone for some reason wants to set up a cafe. Every rugby player I talk to wants to set up a coffee shop. Really, you know, and yeah, or a restaurant. You know what I mean? And I was like, I've done the restaurant thing. Don't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and cafes are really nice and all, but I mean, you need a good few of them to to make a good living out of. And they're, and they're, it's like any cash business is bloody tough. Um, but then, you know, everyone, like you mentioned, everyone wants to set up a tech company, but like just, you know, just because you set up it, you want to set up a tech company doesn't necessarily mean it's good. It's really about the idea, about the team, about the execution, um, about the expertise, you know? Um, These are all things that I I think it's very easy to lose a lot of money in this. And then, I'm sorry, and then investing with them, um, invest in different companies, even if they're a good idea, such as what's your exit strategy on it? Do you know what I mean? Like, okay, you put your money in and yes, valuations are going up, but valuations are going up, it's fine, but it's still worth, I write them all off until they sell, basically, or the IPO. Yeah. And then we all know this, lads. Very few of them actually IPO. Some of them get acquired. Others don't really, they just kind of tick along. It's like, okay, how how are you going to get a return on investment here? How is this going to create you create long-term value uh, for you? Um, and these are things that, like, I, look, I, 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 I've learned and I'm learning as I go along, um, but hopefully you're able to feed them back into to players who are there now, so that they can be in a better position. Yeah, well, if, if you think of it, like the whole story behind even startup fan, when myself and Graham set it up initially, was to inspire and educate entrepreneurs because nine in ten fail in the first three years, and it's yeah. the same with you know investors when they put money into into companies. Like I think a lot of them get carried away when when they think of investing as in they want to find the next Uber, you know, yeah. they want to find the next Facebook. And it's it's like spreading it out as thin as possible that hopefully something will work or something will hit the big time. Yeah. And, and then, and then as well as along the journey, you start learning about like, okay, the different rounds, if you can't follow your money in, how you get diluted down, are you comfortable with that? Are you not? Do you have it, the, the funds to back it up? Um, all these certain things. And I think of guys as well, and we, I'm sure we've all seen it. I've seen it with founders. I've seen it with other guys who investors who they think they're paper millionaires. And, you know, until, like you said, nine, nine out of 10 of them fail, you know, in the first three years, um, until you, until that company's sold and the money's in your account, like I, in my book, I write it off. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. and that's how, like, I'm at zero basically. Therefore I can never be disappointed if it does <laughs> fail, but, um, that's how I, that's how I plan. I'm the eternal optimist in thinking, but in planning, I'm, I'm very much a realist. Um, you know, I, I kind of plan, plan for the worst and hope for the best. Yeah. There's, it's funny because it's, it's always down to what, what the founder wants as well. 
And yeah. what, what the founder tells investors he wants or she wants may not be what they actually want. You know, we, we, we speak to, obviously, this is what we do. We spoke to thousands of founders on the show and on camera, you know, they're talking about big exits and a possible IPO. And then off camera, sometimes they say, if I manage to exit and I make a million pounds, that's a win for me. But obviously, their investors hearing that won't be happy. Uh, but but in the founder's head, like if I can if I can exit and be you know a millionaire, brilliant. I'm happy with that. But obviously, there's this kind of uh, front that they have to put on uh, a lot of times. So so it's interesting. Obviously, to your point earlier on, is the, is the team getting to know the founder and what they really want is important. And then as uh, you know, to stick with that the- team theme, um, like you gotta your your investors are really really important in terms of if you're teaming with a private investor or VCs you know what are they bringing to the table um, yeah. just because maybe in a certain region uh, a certain VC firm tend to be the dominant ones right um like that doesn't necessarily mean they're the right one for you it just means Correct, that they're, yeah. they're they're doing the most business but that's not necessarily a good thing um you know and investors can bring value in very different ways you know the big paycheck not may not necessarily be the right thing for you and uh, you mean you might need such like more strategic ones all that sort of thing um you know example uh, like me case in point as an investor I, I, you know what i mean i didn't bring heaps of money that others could bring to the table. Um, but like to help you connect with different people to help you, you know, kind of get it out there and to help you build out your kind of high performance mindset and team. That was what basically I was doing. Like that's, that's what I do now. I, I coach, uh, you know, I'm a high performance and executive coach. That's what I do. Um, and that's how I bring value to it. Um, as well as, you know, other things that I'm learning along the way and picking up along the way, but you know, it's, it's a bit of trial and error. And you're like, like you said, there's a lot of, um, what's the word? There's a lot of sometimes kind of like, uh, fantasy thinking around it. Um, that, that, uh, with that kind of thinking, if you don't have a good, if you don't have your own good team that around you as let's say coming back to the rugby player, if they don't have their own good financial advisor, accountant, mentors around them, you know, advising them, looking at reassessing something, looking at it from a different point of view. And that's where you can kind of get carried away with that. Oh, this is the next Facebook. I'm going to be a gazillionaire. You know what I mean? And Mm. you throw money at it. And then three years later, it's at zero. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing we've always talked about to any of the founders that we've interviewed or even met off camera is when it comes to raising money, raising smart money, you know, where someone can actually bring something to the table. And I know it can get extremely frustrating when it comes to raising money as a, from a founder point of view, because a lot of, a lot of founders underestimate it when they're going for the first round of funding and they don't realize it's going to take anything between six to 12 months. If you, if you actually close around, it can take that, that amount of time and it completely takes you out of the business that this is where you need a co-founder where like like myself and graham when we first started this it's right graham you run the company i'm going i'm going collecting the money you know that that you can do that and they underestimate it and you can fall into that trap of i don't really particularly like this investor but they're willing to give us money and we've been waiting so long and we're getting desperate now that we need money that i don't like their terms that i'll also accept their terms now because i still want to do what i want to do Mm. Yeah, and right, and right now, I'd be afraid that a lot of um, you know startups, co- you know companies that are in that early stage, maybe they're in their first kind of two, three, four years, 
and they're they're they were trying to raise or they began raising you know they're running at a, an aggressive burn rate to scale and right now they might be a bit desperate and not have a lot of leverage and there's a lot of companies out there that you know are going to be put between a rock and a hard place in terms of a the terms that they take it and be trying to raise it in the first place and who they can get it from in terms of raising funds, you know, um, and you can see scale Ireland here in Ireland have, have been doing a lot to shed the light in that in terms of getting the, the government involved in, in, in that regard. Yeah. It's funny because we, we often see both sides of the fence. Obviously we do what we do to help founders and entrepreneurs yeah. build and scale businesses, but we, we also have to keep close to, to the, the VC firms and the investors on the other side. And when we first started this, this podcast, when we moved from video, we were talking to founders and, and they were being quite open and honest and saying, we've just had term sheets being ripped up saying yeah. terms are different now, you know, and, and, and a lot of founders pissed off and not happy with it. But then we had, you know, investors we were speaking to and, and, and VC firms we were speaking to that were saying, well, yeah, we're ripping up those term sheets. We admit that that's fine because things are different and it's riskier. So why wouldn't we change our terms? And it kind of has this both, you know, and we, and we seen both sides of the fence, um, but, but it does seem pretty harsh. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough, but like, you know, I, I, I think as long if you're being true to what your values are in terms of like how you want to do business, I think if you play the long game and VC, so if you take the VC perspective, they are playing the long game, right? That's their model. So, I mean, they shouldn't really be worried about two years or three years if they're mapping out for, you know, seven to 10 years, Read really, like, I would have thought, yeah. but look, I'm not in that game. Um, it's a it's a pretty close shop, um, so you, I mean, you, you guys would, would would probably have a better take on that. Yeah, well, look, it's 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 definitely a difficult one. Can can we talk a little bit more about you back to where you you started with this after the restaurant? Because like a lot of people, you're getting a lot of attention, obviously, lately for your investment in Pointy, which is great. It's a, it's a successful close but you've also had other successful ones that uh, maybe some that weren't so successful but it's always nice to hear about you know the like people always go how do you eat an elephant you know uh, <laughs> little by little you know like how do you build a wall brick by brick you know but it's always nice to because people like you know you've probably gotten a lot of it where oh you're so lucky you know for for investing in them where you know yeah luck has got to do with it but also so does risk and putting yourself out there and going to meetings and meeting these guys and meeting these girls and you know finding out a bit more about them getting to know them and then you know the opportunity comes and yes it's a lot of it can be luck when 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 putting money down on a company but you know people don't see what you did before that Jamie they don't see like you you know on telephone calls to these people they don't see you meeting these people they don't see like the the two or three years beforehand when you invested in the company to where it is now so to t- just talk us through some of the other ones that you've done and how like you've you've built it up to the likes of pointy well, like even if you just look at pointy i invested in pointy in 2015 um and you know i i told a lot of people in my network about it about the opportunity to come in on it and a lot of people said no Really, a lot yeah. of people said no. Yeah, you didn't. You yeah. didn't tell us. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, uh, you know, even if they just looked at the top line and Mark, right? He was the first person to sell a company to Google from outside of the US, mm, right? Yeah. 
He'd already done it. You know what I mean? He'd already done it. His idea of trying to counteract what Amazon are doing was positioning really well in the market going forward. So Mark, Mark's vision in terms of what was happening in back in 2015 to now, you know, he had really good foresight. But, it's, you know, people couldn't start joining up the dots. They couldn't see that vision. And, and but, you know, so there's that. And then there's also, you know, I love the phrase by Hemingway. It's gradually, then suddenly. So people usually just focus on that end product. They focus on the exit in January. You know, uh, you're playing sport. They focus on the big win at the end of the season, but they don't see you starting that twelve that season twelve months ago. They don't see you investing in training. You know, five years before that, ten years before that. You know what I mean? Um, so you know, people are very focused on the end. They don't. Re- they they don't really realize the work that has to get put in in anything. Um, sometimes, you know, uh, it's human nature. We just, I don't know, we're just biased towards the, the nice story at the end. Um, yeah. But but like with that, with any, like I, with any investments, you know, I used to get slagged off quite a bit by the lads kind of on my day off. They'd be like, oh, who are you going off to meet now? Or, you know what I mean? Or if I was grabbing a coffee somebody after, oh, you're meeting someone again. Like, because I was living by my schedule. But I was like, yeah, damn right. People are opening up the door now to me. I'm going to take opportunity. I'm going to take that opportunity. And um, because at some stage they won't take your call or they won't um, think of you as an investor or think you can bring value to it. So you got to capitalize on that now and, and, and show and prove value now. And, and then, um, you know, kind of build on it every time you, you get a chance. Um, but it's funny, just, I'm just thinking that I'm just laughing now. They're all going to start investing in tech companies now off the back of, 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 the, of the pointy story potentially, which yeah. is not necessarily a good thing, but look, um, like that with anything, I'll always say I, I I've never come up with a good idea myself. I've invested in people who've come up with the good ideas, um, and and Mark Cummins, you know, um, I can't say enough about him and his team in terms of of the vision, execution, and um, just all around general smartness of the fella. Um, like I would not be surprised if he comes up with another genius idea whenever Pointy kind of comes to an end or is you know fully immersed into that Google world. I was going to ask: has, has he has he shined light on anything else he might be working on in the background? No, the last time I sat down with him was must have been February. Um, yeah, February, and like thinking, oh, we'll catch up in a, in a few weeks, and then sure, COVID hit, um, yeah, and course. you know, I'm sure he was just more worried about um, his team and how they all work from home and how he manages that and how he manages that integration into the Google family from working from home, you know, and all those complications and then all their store owners being closed, being closed. How does that affect their product and all that? So I'm sure Mark had a lot of things yeah. on his hand rather than worrying about jumping on a zoom call with me. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's funny, Jamie, obviously what springs to mind chatting to you today is Mark and I interviewed a French entrepreneur a couple of years ago. And we just wanted to ask his, his, his advice at the end of the interview. What is your advice for entrepreneurs watching, right? If you had one piece of advice, he'd done super well for himself. And he said, make sure you're fit, physically fit, because it's a long run. And that's how he ended, ended his interview. And, and you know, it goes you, to- you didn't listen to him then, I, Graham, did no, you? No, I should have. Yeah, I should have listened to him. Yeah, yeah. Those few COVID well, the gym, the, those gym, The gyms are back open now, Graham, so no excuse, right? <laughs> Not in, not in London, they're not. I'll stick, I'll stick on to that excuse for a while. We'll but, get you a Peloton bike. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> no. but, um, but, but, but it's an interesting one because obviously 
we keep in touch with as many of these entrepreneurs as we can that we interview, right? That's, it's up in the thousands now, so it's not as easy as it once was. But even when you see some people, you see burnout. You can see it in people's face, right? That they're just they're just working you know, 18 hours yeah. a day, every day, trying to keep this business. And a lot of the time, it's kind of, it's a sinking ship. They're trying to keep afloat and it's not doing anything for the physical or mental health. Is that something that companies that you deal with, is that something you concentrate on is, is the f- mental and physical fitness of the founders? Yeah, well, I mean, in terms of, so I'll I'll put my kind of uh, high performance executive co- coach hat on here now, and the J- um, Jamie Bootcamp. Yeah, well, yeah, like sorry, I'm not a physical trainer, right? But I know, like, my philosophy of 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 performance is very much based uh, based on balance. Okay, so I'll give you an example. When I played <clears throat> rugby, I used to use an Olympic ring analogy. I was a big Michael Phelps fan, right? Mm. And um, an image that always stuck out to me was him in the Beijing Olympics and how he broke that down to win. I can't even remember how many uh, Olympic goals he won at that Olympics, right? But he broke it down. And so the, the, the Olympic rings always stuck at me. So there's five Olympic, I used five Olympic rings and each one was a part of my life that I had to keep balanced so that the whole thing stayed strong. And so one was rugby, one was recovery as such, or kind of nutrition and recovery. The non let's call it rugby stuff, right? Um, the other was family, uh, family relationships, friends. Uh, the other was Jamie Inc. Um, and then the other was community. So I always made sure that I was having balance in all them. Sometimes in a year, you would, you know, the season peaked and there were busier times or more important games or priorities. And you made sure, okay, you dialed up some things and you dialed down others. But then when you had the opportunity you kind of got that back in sync or you rebalanced it. And I, um, so I work with a lot of people in regards to have that 360 perspective and they kind of map out their values, their goals, what they want to achieve. But also, you know, we look at it not from a pure business point of view. And sometimes, yes, we do. Uh, there's a business goal, but we always make sure to, to look at it from a 360 perspective because it takes energy to do these things and you got to be at your best, especially if you want to create a legacy and you want to go at a distance um, you know, you, you got to have energy, you got to be physically fit to be mentally fit because it's all the one system, right? You can't just, you know, press go, 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 go and not look after your body and, and, and focus on your mind the whole time because you'll burn out. Like, and that's what happens. Yeah. I see it time and time again. It's the one system and you got to keep balancing that system. See, I don't think a lot of entrepreneurs get that until they get to the burnout stage. Because this goes back to probably, as you were even saying when you were younger and, and, and rugby players kind of gone, this is great, I'm young, I'm making money. And, and you don't see and you don't have the, the foresight to kind of go, what's, what's the exit plan here? And yeah. it's the same with, with someone putting all their time and energy into, into their business. They think they're okay. And it's only that things catch up on them without them realizing it. Because you look, you look at things like I, I, like, I go to the gym as often as I can. And I've got a program now and I want to bulk up. But in order to bulk up, it's not just what you do in the gym. It's more important what I do outside the gym, which is obviously the, the food I eat and when I eat it and, and how I eat it and the type of food. that it, And it's 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 like prepping and, food. And then, and then recovery comes into it as well because like exactly. sleep is yeah. a big thing for that. Yeah. Yeah. So like it, it's all of these things where, you know, the food prep becomes annoying you know um mm. and you know like so if you're not doing everything you know and and a lot of them will will maybe get you know uh 
Graham, you went through a stage of, of just grabbing uh, a protein bar and a coffee in the morning for breakfast. You know, like there's there's things like that that ca- will catch up on people eventually, um, unless they're having, like I say, a, a good a good lunch and a good dinner and a good sleep and you know work life balance. Uh, sorry to to bring up your breakfast there, Graham, but yeah, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> it, it's just things like that that they mightn't necessarily be mindful of. Yeah, yeah and, and a lot of it has to do as well. You know, pe- people people are fully aware of the power of compound interest when it comes to money, right? Uh, well, most yeah. people are, but they don't realize that compound interest plays a role in everything. You know what I mean? And if you yeah. stick to a habit and a routine, it builds up over time. And and to come back to that point of suddenly, then gradually, you know, all of a sudden people are like, Jesus, like he's mad fit or, you know, he always has energy or I don't know, whatever, or, or to flip, like all of a sudden guys sometimes in their thirties or forties, they're like, you know, where is this paunch come from on me? Like, you know what I mean? Where's this come from? All of a sudden I have this, you know, you know, I'm out of shape or, you know, my doctor is telling me that I'm overweight or I've, you know, whatever. And these things come on gradually without you noticing it. So that's why if you get the routines and habits set up and you stick to them and that's half the gig, isn't it? It's trying to realize a, is it a priority for you? And then B, how do you work that in to, so that it works for you? Um, and this is not, I'm not just talking about fitness. I'm just talking about balance in general. That could be a walk with a friend, you know, um, you know, meeting people you care about, uh, you know, that could be your family, uh, for God's sake, you know? Um, yeah. There's a lot Prevention of things in it. is better than cure, you know? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. But look, it, I mean, and, and that's, that's how you get your best self, but you've got to want it and you've got to want to get, you got to get, want to get the, the most out of yourself. Um, and sometimes, you know, entrepreneurs when they're starting out, they're just focused on that one task and that's fine for a while, but you will, you will burn out. It's, it's, it is an interesting one, but it's funny that we had talked to a couple of VC firms before and we said, do, do you guys have anything in place to support founders when it comes to, to mental and, and physical fitness? And we said to them off camera, obviously, but, but they said they don't. Uh, and we did put in a suggestion that that could be a really cool thing to do, right? Because you're backing these people for, it could be for a decade, it could be for more before you see that return. So why not look after them? Yeah, and that's if they survive that long, you know, as in, in or the business survives that long. Um, you know, because once you get past the point, you might be able, you know, they might be able to, you know, the, the founder, if they've gotten a certain amount of return on their investment or the company's grown or whatever, they can, they can start putting resources at it, uh, to, to, to help them. But, um, I, yeah, I, I have yet to see any VCs really be proactive in that regard, um, in terms of, of providing that facility. Um, but I could be, I, I'm sure I'm wrong. I'm sure there are, there, there are ones out there. Yeah. Yeah, look, look, there there are some out there doing some things. You know, it was just one that we had given one or two suggestions on what they should do. And they were also saying that a lot of the time when when they invest in in some of the companies that they they make sure that that the founder um, not only takes a decent holiday, but also, you know, has money, you know, in the bank that they can actually see something from from what they've built, that they can they can go and they can buy that house that they've always dreamt of and they can buy that car that they need just to, to give them that like encouragement and push that look every, like it's going in the right direction. Here's some of the rewards from the investment as well. Yeah, and, and you need to get some sort of return and, and and hit milestones along the journey to keep you motivated, I suppose. So that's a smart thing. They're good for that. That's a that's a sign of a good um, 
VC firm or investor kind of encouraging that. Um, but it's it's tough as well for these guys because I can understand them as well because it becomes like it was rugby for me. It's like it's like the benefit of rugby is that your body was your job, so you're you're proactively um, encouraged to look after your body. But um, you know, for the investor, they're just they're they're or not the investor, sorry, the, the entrepreneur. They're thinking about their business twenty four seven. How can they innovate? What problem are they trying to solve? Their customer problem. The, you know, it's 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 their life. Um, but they they got to realize that in order for them to be at their best, they've got to look at it from a three sixty perspective, um, and and they've got to get rewarded along the way. So that's it's that that is important. It's true. Well, Jamie, look, we're we're coming up to run out of time, but we just want to thank you for coming on the show. It's been a great chat, and and hopefully when we when all this madness dies down, we we get our film studio in Shoreditch open back up. We'll uh, we'll get to, get to interview you in person. It'd be great. Well. Any excuse for me, I, I, I stay in Soho House there in Shoreditch a lot whenever I'm over. So any excuse for me to go over to Shoreditch, I am there with Bells. Because there's a great little coffee shop around the corner. I can't remember the name of it. Uh, it'll come back to me, obviously, post this interview. Uh, but yes, I'm a big fan. So anytime, lads. Amazing stuff. Cheers, Jamie. Thanks, Thank Jamie. You. Thank you very much. Thanks everyone so much for tuning in. If you are listening to this on iTunes, please do leave a review because it really helps our rankings. And also if you're listening to this on Spotify, please do share it with your friends. Make sure you subscribe and thank you so much for listening. Make sure you check out the next episode.